Welcome to the Changing Minds online call. Tonight is our special night. It is our first Sunday superstar call. Good evening, Akina. How are you doing tonight? I am doing wonderful. How about yourself, Jessica? I'm doing awesome, thank you. Just um, been really feeling this holiday season spirit. And, you know, for those of you who may know, we have a project going on right now at Changing Minds online where we're going to be bringing some Christmas presents to the homeless to some homeless shelters on Christmas Eve in New York City. So we have a link up on our Facebook. I just want to thank everyone who's um, sent gifts so generously off of our Amazon wish list. We have uh, very close to the 200 gifts now that we've, we're looking for. I just want to thank all of our listeners who are participating in that. I've had some amazing uh, gifts coming our way from people that I have not met, but I want to thank you in advance for your generosity and support. Um, tonight is a special night as well. We have on a special guest tonight uh, talking about a topic which is really near and dear to my heart. Um, tonight we are welcoming Dr. Elijah Goldstein onto our call. and He's really an incredible individual. I was first connected with Dr. Goldstein by reading one of his blog articles on, on meditation, or, or excuse me, a published article in a journal on meditation and mindfulness. And for me, mindfulness is just so important. And I've been studying and practicing meditation for 16 years now. And I'm really just honored to have um, Dr. Goldstein on our call. He's the co-founder of the Center for Mindful Living in Los Angeles, um, published author. He has several, several books, um, the last one in Uncovering Happiness. And he just let me know that um, about his basic mindfulness meditation, a 28-day challenge, which I can't wait to get started on. Sounds really amazing. Dr. Goldstein has been a pioneer in the field of mindfulness. He, he piloted a program about mining, um, excuse me, mindfulness at work and won the Aetna, uh, through Aetna using his, his program, actually won the National Business Health Award. So, you know, absolutely qualified, unequivocally qualified individual to speak to us tonight about um, mindfulness, about meditation. You know, Dr. Goldstein, it's an honor to welcome you on our call tonight. It's so great to be here. Happy to be here. Thank you. Absolutely. So, you know, we honored you tonight as our first Sunday superstar. And the reason that we chose to honor you tonight as our as our, son, our superstar is, you know, you are an amazing individual. You have a published author, several programs. You opened your own center. You know, you've done a lot. And a lot of people on, on this call are really looking to make a great change in our lives. And we just would love to just ask you, you know, how did you accomplish all these wonderful things? Well, you know, I think... Um you know, it's kind of like a, a story of trauma, from trauma to transformation in some way. I think a lot of people um, uh, find find themselves through the difficulties they have in their life. And uh, and it was probably, you know, now, I don't know, um, about uh, almost like uh, almost 20 years ago where uh, it was the, the dot-com high and I was living up in San Francisco working hard and playing much harder and and really lost and confused and um, at the same time successful in the corporate world and um, a lot of people who have uh, have struggled with uh, substance abuse um, can maybe relate to this to some way where uh, it it, it was it's really confusing if you're if you're doing if you're doing uh, good enough and yet you're you're kind of lost in, in life around 
around substance use, and that was kind of my story. I was kind of doing things that were absolutely not good for me, and and uh, and it, it came to the the darkest and deepest moment of my my life. I'd say it's pretty hard. It's pretty easy for me to say what the lowest point of my life is, where I was um, in the, the south of Market in San Francisco, and I was with a guy in the back of his broken down limousine. Um, a guy that I told my friends, if you ever catch me with this guy, you'll uh, you'll know to kind of pull me out. And um, and that's when I had a, a family intervention around that time. Um, but in that moment, in that in that broken down limousine, I had like an aha moment. I had a moment of waking up where I said, I don't need to, I don't need to live this way. And um, it really it really was through that being able to look at that pain and suffering that I I saw the light. And the light was that um, I need to reconnect to what matters in my life. And so I started doing what a lot of people on this on the other end of this call and, and you guys have probably done, which is uh, started to, you know, collect books and read books and seek out people um, in the in the field uh, who can teach me something about, you know, how to live well. And uh, and I I did that and that's when I kind of inevitably went back to a after that like family intervention, I went to like this month long retreat for for adults and um, it was there where I came across a guy who taught me how to mindfully eat an orange. And so this is something that seems so simple, and yet it was so incredibly profound to me for him to say, uh, if, can you just kind of pay attention to eating this orange as if for the very first time? And I thought he was kind of nuts, and I, and I didn't really want really to do that. And he said, just, just kind of just entertain this for a moment. And I did. And when I, when I kind of brought this orange to my senses, what happened was that my whole body started to relax. I started to see things that I never knew were there before, like the zest when you kind of peel off the the orange or the <clears throat> the membranes and the flesh of the of the orange. And uh, and he said after, and the taste of the orange was better than I ever tasted anything in my life before. And he asked me, you know, what afterwards? Because I was so surprised by all these findings. What would the days, weeks, and months ahead be like if there was more of this kind of ability to be present to your life? Um, you know, living as if it kind of mattered, paying attention to it. And that really woke me up, and I wanted more of that. And so I started, uh, I went back to school. I left I left the corporate world. I went back to school at a, a place called the, at the time, called the Institute of Transpersonal Psychology. It doesn't exist anymore. I chose that school particularly because it integrated mindfulness into its curriculum. And... Uh, and um, it surrounded me with people. I think the biggest thing, if I could, if I, one of the biggest takeaways I have about um, how to change, how to bad habits, how to um, how to go get what you want and be successful with it, is to surround yourself with people who are who are going to be who are going to support you with that. And so when I went back to school, I had a lot of those people around me, and so I left a group of people that weren't as helpful for me, and uh, I started you know, getting trained in mindfulness-based stress reduction, which is one of the, uh, you know, foremost programs out there in uh, in the secular field of mindfulness. Pretty much most of the research that we find, most of the neuroscience that we find out there in mindfulness, this, uh, just to kind of define that mindfulness just means awareness, really, just being aware of what's here, being in the present moment. But the actual action of it, how we train our brain in it, is intentionally paying attention to various things in our life um, with a beginner's mind, with a sense of curiosity. 
In other words, kind of putting aside the program biases that are there, this is good or bad or right or wrong or fair and unfair, and we just engage things fresh and new so we give ourselves the opportunity to kind of see things clearly and make choices about do I want this in my life, do I not want this in my life. Um, and uh, and so I started getting trained in this and, and uh, more formally, and uh, I met this guy, Bob Stahl, who uh, inevitably was on my dissertation committee at my uh, when I did my doctoral thesis on something called sacred moments, which is I created like a five, I created a five minute uh, intervention, which was just training people to be present for five minutes um, while in relationship with some, with some kind of meaningful something that was meaningful in their life. It could have been an object, it could have been a, a memory, or something like that. And um, then I had another group do journaling, and another group not do anything. And uh, and so Bob Stahl was one of the foremost um, teachers in mindfulness-based stress reduction outside of UMass Medical Center, which is where John Kabat-Zinn started mindfulness-based stress reduction. And so I put him on my dissertation committee, and then I inevitably got trained with him on, in mindfulness-based stress reduction. And I had a great idea at that time. I was working with a company in Auckland, New Zealand, um, that I had met through um, this kind of process I was telling you about earlier, which was reaching out to people and finding like-minded people or other people in the area who were doing the things I wanted to do. And, um, and they were doing something where they were creating a, uh, a back-end software program that took people who had programs like mindfulness-based stress reduction or various programs and, and put them online. And they were a little ahead of their time, so they didn't end up, um, they ended up kind of, uh, uh, you know, going out of business. But at the time, I told Bob that, you know, we should put this online. And uh, he and I created a skeleton for mindfulness-based stress reduction online. And, uh, and inevitably, that, the, the powers that be in the MBSR world, mindfulness-based stress reduction, weren't, also weren't ready for that. But, but what we did was we created a skeleton for a really powerful uh, program. And we, that's how we inevitably wrote together, we co-authored the Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction Workbook. So that was the very first book that I had ever written. And some things that I was doing before that, by the way, which I was, as I was trained as an MBSR teacher and I was leading mindfulness groups and I went and worked for Kaiser um, and uh, started mindfulness groups there, I guess I was very proactive in asking people, can I do this? Can I start this? Because back then, when you got trained as an MBSR teacher, the uh, the the suggestion was go out now and do this, go out and teach this. Um, you know, that's how you kind of learn the most, you know, by doing that. And so I did. And uh, I started creating CDs. I created a mindfulness, uh, a mindful solution series for stress, anxiety, depression, for addiction and relapse prevention and for uh, at, at work. And that's how the Mindfulness at Work program was inevitably born because I, I created that CD program on it um, and eMindful who's a fantastic online company, who is the foremost online company for delivering live, interactive um, mindfulness programs out there right now, um, sought me out, and they asked me if I would build a mindfulness at work program for them, and that's what I did. And then that got picked up by Aetna. I had nothing to do with that, but that got picked up by Aetna, and that got, they sold it all to their corporate clients, and inevitably that's how that won that award. Um, so I've been really lucky in a lot of ways with connecting um, with really good people, but I wouldn't say it's only luck because I, I I sought out these people and I guess took risks to say yes 
and go alongside them and build things for them and with them. And, and, uh, and as I, as I did that, I just kind of got used to, I think also as a doctoral student, you get used to working for free um, because you're, when you're doing your internships or your, your postdoctoral work, you don't really get paid much. And so um, it was no sweat off my back to take risks to go work, work on books or work on programs that I wasn't going to get paid for. I didn't know if I was going to get paid for it because I was used to not getting paid for things anyway. Um, but the, um, but the, uh, the payoff on that is that, you know, if they are successful, then, then, then uh, um, you know, kind of gets you out there more and, and uh, more people get to be impacted and affected by the work that you're doing, which is great. And so, you know, that kind of parlayed itself to um, to working on my own book, The Now Effect, um, because what I was interested in was how do you take the MBSR program, basically, and make it into something that a, for a book is bite-sized, doable, um, uh, shorter, uh, and something that can integrate into people's everyday lives. And so that's how that, that book was born. So I never really wrote that. And then um, had a lot of experiences working with people who had a fear of flying. And so um, wrote a very much short, shorter book called Mindfulness Meditations for the Anxious Traveler. And meanwhile, this whole time, while I was a trained mindfulness-based stress reduction teacher, I also had an interest in depression, a lot of depression in my family and in my world. And, and, uh, and as a psychologist, also it made sense and that you can marry these two. And so I was already working with mindfulness and some cognitive behavioral therapy techniques for depression. And then I had heard about that there was this program called mindfulness-based cognitive therapy for depression. And, um, and so I never really got trained in that and started, and I brought the first mindfulness-based cognitive therapy class to Los Angeles and inside LA with a, uh, a colleague of mine, Roger Nolan. And we started teaching that together about uh, over seven years ago now. And so I got a lot of experience working with mindfulness and depression, and I started realizing that there are some things that are so important when it comes to helping people not relapse into depression. And when you look at a lot of the neuroscience behind it, there are some things that activate parts of the brain that we need activated uh, and we need to work on to kind of create what I call an antidepressant brain. And that's what spurred this whole book called Uncovering Happiness, um, which you know, lays out these kind of natural antidepressants we have and how we can kind of literally change our brain to create this antidepressant brain. And so you get, once you start, like, once you start writing, you get used to writing. And so it just became kind of a way of life to see people individually, to teach classes, to work with groups, um, to write blogs. Um, it's kind of like a practice to uh, so many other stories in here, but I don't want to, I don't want to bore everyone with them, but um you know, but this is kind of just how how it happens. You say yes, um, you go after it. Um, you uh, you know you 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 spend time. You, you make you make time to proactively plan and vision. What is it? What is it? And this is what I did that that I'm wanting. How do I? What am I wanting? How do I want to see this unfold? And how is it going to unfold practically? Um, so I guess it wasn't all serendipity like just serendipity like uh, like luck, I did kind of strategically take time to think about, you know, what am I wanting? I'm wanting to write this book. I'm wanting to, you know, write these blogs. I'm wanting to see people individually. I'm wanting to write these, do these groups. How is this all kind of going in the same direction of supporting people and living the life they want to live? Meanwhile, it helps me surround myself in that world of of mindfulness, of being present to 
my life and and um and the purpose that that is inherent in that and uh I would say that's kind of where things have gone and I'm lucky enough to have married uh, a woman who's very supportive of that and and we met our very first day of graduate school and um uh, and and uh she's also a trained MBSR teacher and so we have that value uh together and and it's great that we can work together and and uh create the um the com program connecting adolescents to learning mindfulness and uh and that we can do that and that we can co-found the center for mindful living together i mean so um yeah i'm a, i'm a, i'm a lucky guy in that way and uh and so that's kind of how that how that all unfolded wow that is a powerful story and you mentioned your center for mindfulness. Uh, tell the audience about how they could uh, get involved in your center. Well, you know the the center is the center is just launching right now, and so the web the website's not even up yet. So basically, what it's going to be it's basically a center for mindfulness and psychotherapy. There's going to be there's individual um, there's individual work done there. Uh, there's a, it's a sliding scale, but you don't really see in in LA very much, uh, or you see it certainly. But you don't um, you don't see it as much in the mindfulness world, I guess, um, as like a sliding scale type of therapy, you know, with that. And you know, we want to make sure that uh, that that a lot of people are that this is available to a lot of people. And so then we're gonna that's the individual part. We're gonna have groups, workshops, and classes that are that are aimed at integrating mindfulness for anxiety, depression, addictive behaviors, um, uh, grief, insomnia, um, all of these different things. So. There's not a there's not a place in LA currently that's an actual center integrates has a focus mindfulness and psychotherapy as a uh, for group work and individual work and so we thought there was a real need for that and there's always been a vision of ours um, and so that's that's uh, that's what we're that's what we're in the co- in the course of launching as as we speak so doors are open but there's no website yet there's no um, none of that none of that's happening but it'll probably be more like towards the beginning of Next year, will people will start seeing more of the groups popping up and more of the uh, the website and all that. Now, will this so be available for only um, uh, people in Los Angeles, or will it be uh, available worldwide? You know, I'm glad you asked that because the part of the vision is uh, that this will be the Center for Mindful Living will be um, something that will have local. It'll be local, so it, it is a brick and mortar local place. Um, but that will be do will be also be doing live streaming uh, for our workshops and and classes and these types of things, so that it'll be available to people who are not in Los Angeles as a live interactive type of component. Uh, but that's so that's that's where that's at right now. But so that's part of the vision, it's not happening immediately. Um, but that's part of that's certainly something we want to happen. As I I do that anyway, uh, you know, with with either work either classes or seminars and stuff like that. A lot of that happens live online at times anyway. Wonderful. So, very good. So, now you brought up mindfulness about being this, um, you know, awareness or intentionality of, of what you're doing and, and being in that moment and being very present. You know, for some of our listeners who may not have experienced mindfulness before in the sense that they don't really know what it is or why it's important. You know, how does mindfulness play a role in our lives and how is it of value to people? Well, it's a good question. 
Um, you know, there's a lot of debate around that right now in our in our culture. I mean, ever since like about probably a little over a year ago, mindfulness was on the cover of Time Magazine, and about two months ago, it was on the cover of Atlantic Monthly. Um, so it's it's you got you got uh, a number of New York Times bestsellers uh, now that are that are mindfulness books. Um, so it's certainly hitting mainstream. You get a lot more and more people who are public figures talking about it now, and so there's more, a lot more media about it than ever. Uh, and so, but the reality is everybody has experienced mindfulness before, the ability to be present in their life. Um, you know, so every, it's not something that's foreign to anybody. Um, and yet there's a practice, uh, there's a practice, a formal and informal practice that's very pragmatic, practical, uh, and that we can integrate into our lives to basically strengthen our self, our, our sense of um, personal control or self-confidence that we can kind of handle things that come our way in our lives. Uh, because what happens is, as we're born in this world, uh, we it's not we have our genetics, and at the same time we're we're learn our brains are learning, they're out to learn. Um, how to respond to things, you know, moment to moment. So like 95% of our life we're, you know, I hate to say it, but we're kind of automatons in some way where we're, where our brain is making decisions for us. You know, you see a, you see a, if you're, if you're someone that likes McDonald's, you see a, a, a McDonald's sign or you have a thought of McDonald's and you turn in to get a, you know, a, a Big Mac or whatever, whatever you want. The, the, the great fries that they have, and you think it's because you're choosing to do that, but really what's happening is dopamine squirting up in your brain and it's motivating you in a certain direction to do that based on certain histories and experiences and, uh, that you've had in your life, and so you're kind of being driven to do things all the time, moment to moment. So mindfulness basically says, like, hold on a second. Um, I'm going to pause for a moment, and I'm going to pay attention. Is this what I want? And it, it helps us, in other words, wake up and not be so enslaved by our past programming or our, our past reactive patterning um, that we've grown up with in our life. And it helps us ha- gain a sense of personal control in our life to say, oh, yeah, no, actually, I don't want to um, get on the social media right now. Uh, I, I'd rather, you know, put it down and go for a walk or be with my kids. Or, yeah, this flipping through channels is not really helping me right now. I'm waking up uh, and I'm in this moment, and then I'd rather go and journal or draw or whatever, whatever we want to do. Uh, it's, uh, it's, it gives you a sense of kind of really paying attention to life as if it mattered. And um, so there's, a, there's that, as I was saying, there's formal practices to it where you're actually setting time aside to, um, to be guided in a particular practice that has you pay attention to something, whether it's your breath, your body, um, sounds, or... Um, uh, any any number of your really your really your senses, and the purpose of that is to kind of train your ability to be here, and also to be aware of how your mind works really reactively, and so you don't need to be enslaved by it. If you start to get some understanding on how your mind works, when we pause for a second, just pay attention. We see how our mind is just reacting automatically. We don't need to be so driven by it, and so. Um, and so it allows us that freedom, maybe for the first time in our life, to be able to uh, choices from a more conscious space with the awareness that we're being driven by certain automatic thought patterns. And, um, and so inevitably, you know, I, 
I like uh, um, it helps us just feel a little bit more in control. Whenever we become a little bit kinder, um, we become a little bit happier. Uh, we become less stressed uh, because we feel a greater sense of personal control, which is the opposite of when someone's feeling anxious or depressed. And and so I'm not saying mindfulness is a panacea, but what I am saying is that it it certainly helps, and it, the reason it's it's uh, it helps us um, feel that sense of personal control, and um, that's the reason it's mainstreaming so much. So it's not like just a fad. It's it's you know people are having experiences and saying like this this is really good, and um, the key is to find good teachers uh, with this because there's a lot of people when something gets really popular. A lot of people take hold of it and just want to kind of make money off of it. And the idea is, is that you just want to find someone who knows what they're doing, um, who has ex- good experience with it, um, and whose work you connect with, and and then to kind of bring it into your life. Nothing is going to trump experience. Uh, and so the idea is to bring experience, bring the experience into your life and then use your own experience to be your guide, your judge, um, and that's what I write about in all my in all my books is that you know don't just read this here try it on to see what you think don't take my word for it um, see what you think and notice what how this impacts your life uh, or in this moment and because ultimately we're uh, we have a lot of wisdom within within us it's just about pausing for a moment to be able to be guided and how to tap into it uh, so that we can become our own therapist our own teacher our own um, you know our own uh, yeah, our own guru in some way. That is wonderful. Thank you so much, Dr. Goldstein, for being on the show today. And do you have one thing you would like for the listeners to take away? Well, I I was <clears throat> I think one thing that that hit me so uh, much when when I heard it was. Um, a quote from a guy who is who is not in the mindfulness field or anything like that, but um, certainly someone who experienced a lot of trauma in their life and made some incredible meaning out of it, Viktor Frankl. And he has a quote that's been attributed to him that was the basis of what um, the now effect was was written on and certainly is one of the basis for uncovering happiness too, which is between stimulus and response, there's a space. In that space lies our power to choose our response. In our response lies our growth and our freedom. What mindfulness allows us to do is tap into that space between stimulus and response where choice lies, choice, possibility, perspective. And as we intentionally practice and repeat something over over and over again, it starts to become more automatic. And so for the listeners, what, we, what would the days, weeks, and months ahead be like if there was uh, more experiences of being present to um, choice, possibility, and perspective? Um, and that's that's really what it is, and that's really all there for you and possible. And uh, I encourage you to reach out to me. You're welcome to always email me and ask questions, Elisha at ElishaGoldstein.com, um, or you can just go to my website, ElishaGoldstein.com, if you have any questions about any of this stuff, uh, and I'll get back to you. And uh, and uh, I look forward to, to hearing from anyone on this call who has any questions about this stuff. Yes, we also have the link for your new book, and your basics of mindful meditation on our Facebook page if any of the listeners need that to reach out to you as well. Yeah, that's great. 
Thank you for sharing with us so generously tonight and for really just reach, letting our listeners reach out to you. We really appreciate that, and we appreciate your time on the call tonight. Oh, yeah, it's great, and I'm glad you guys have this show and that it can hopefully be a benefit to many people. Thank you, thank you. So, yeah, so thank you. I want to thank everyone who called in tonight and just acknowledge you. You know, obviously, if you're on this call, that you have taken a stand to take your life to the next level, and, you know, we're proud of you, and we're excited to be part of your journey. So thank you to... Dr. Goldstein, thank you to all of our listeners. You know, we love you guys. God bless and have a great evening. Yes, thank you, everyone.